a big difference between dieting and intuitive eating is that intuitive eating has self-compassion. There are no rules. You know, we have these principles. There are 10 principles and they're there to just gently guide you. Welcome to The Grit Show, Growth on Purpose. I'm your host, Shauna Rodriguez, and I'm happy to be here with you as your guide for all of us growing together as seekers and thrivers. Lynn is the founder of Bonafide Life Coaching, a body acceptance and intuitive eating coach. She grew up as a restaurant kid, working at her parents' Chinese restaurant in small town Canada from the age of 12. Food was a reason for her family to come together and connect, and it was, and always will be, a love language for her. However, Lynn realizes that many people have difficult relationships with food, and she has made it her mission to raise awareness around diet culture and the harmful effects it has on people's physical and mental health. Lynn works one-on-one with people struggling with shame and guilt around eating and helps them find joy and peace with food and with themselves. I'm looking very forward to hearing her refreshing take on things and especially as we prepare for 2023. I think she has a good perspective for us. Thank you so much for being here today, Lynn. Thank you so much for having me, Shauna. I'm excited for this conversation. I think that as like we're starting you're ready for the new year. People are making mm-hmm. resolutions. I think that it's kind of a good time to kind of have this perspective of looking at things a little bit differently. So how did you mm-hmm. lead into this? I love your background is in your family's <laughs> restaurant. I love that. And that food is a love language for you. So how did you kind of get that connection to it and the intuitive eating piece? Mm. So I've always wanted to do something around food, but mm-hmm knowing what it's like to run a restaurant, that was definitely not it. My parents still have a restaurant and they still work like 16 hour days and it's just so tough. Uh And I was just like, nope, that is not for me. I do not want to work that hard. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) there is that like, uh, I just can't see myself just not having a life at all. And then, you know, I thought about being like maybe a restaurant critic or like just anything to do with food. Cause I love food so much, but I couldn't figure it out. And then like, you know, I got into the corporate world. I was working in a bank for a number of years and before mm-hmm. that, like a stock exchange. And so nothing to do with food whatsoever. So a few years ago, I quit my job at a bank and was just like, I need to figure out what my mission is. I need to figure out what my purpose in life is. It is not to create these spreadsheets every month. It is Ah. not to be reporting to a boss who doesn't care. You know, like it's not (laughs) any of those things. It's like, Ah. I want to get out of bed and be excited about the work I do. And um, and working at a bank was not it, surprisingly. (laughs) I'm shocked. I mean, everyone I know, banks, numbers, come on, come on. I know, like the whole automation of it and like the mindlessness, you just kind of go in and come out and there's nothing that's fulfilling about it for me anyway. Yes. I know that some people like it, but it just wasn't for me. And also like I studied psychology. I had no studies in finance or economic. I had one year Mm. of economics, but like there was, I don't like, I kind of just came to it in a very random way. Yeah. But I decided that, you know, instead of living life in a random way, I was going to do it with more intention. So I chose Mm. to quit my job and to figure out what that was. That's amazing. So yeah. And so the year that I took off, I was just like, okay, I'm going to figure it out. Within like the first month or so, I was completely lost. And I had like almost like an anxiety attack. 
I remember sitting on the toilet and just feeling <laughs> that's where everything happens. It's, I just remember this dark feeling just starting to come up from the pit of my stomach and just coming up over my torso. And I was just like, oh shoot, this is serious. I don't know what's happening, yeah. but I feel that it's going to take over. And at the time I was doing like a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga. And so I was just, okay, I need to take myself to the mat and I need to figure out I need to separate myself from this experience because this can overwhelm me. So I did a body scan and I was just like, okay, I need help. I need help to figure out what this is. And I need help to figure out who I am because Mm -hmm. I quit my job and I didn't know who I was. My identity was being a banker. You know, I spent 40 plus hours in an office and all of a sudden I didn't have that. And it's just like, well, like now what? <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. You like, just so wrapped up. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so in this journey of mine, I chose to go see a therapist. I'd started seeing a couple of coaches to really kind of understand myself. And the work that I did with my therapist and with my coaches, it was so profound and it completely changed my life that I decided that I wanted to become one of them. I wanted to help other people figure out what they wanted for themselves and to create this life of intention. And the intuitive eating thing came by completely accidentally. I was listening to another podcast. Podcasts are good things. We like podcasts. They're so informative. So I was listening to this other podcast and Evelyn Tribole, who is one of the co-creators of the intuitive eating framework was being interviewed and everything she was saying, I was just like, my mind was blown because I was just like, oh my God, like this is, this is how I approach eating. I didn't know that this was a thing, right? Yes. And it's essentially the anti-diet instead of listening to diets and listening, following like, you know, plans and stepping on scales and doing all of these things that are external from us. It's coming back to the self. And yes. I was just like, oh my God, I want to do this. This is this is what I want to do. Like, I want to help people. I want to help them find clarity. I want to help them create a life that is intentional. And it has to do with food. Oh, there we go. We brought it together. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. That's perfect. We talk about, I think we talked about skill stacking. We talked about it a few times in our podcast. So we mm. have folks that come on and talk about finding their ways. It is finding those things that from the different stages of your life and places you've been, like, what did you love about it? What did you get out of it? What was this thing that was important to you? And then you bring them all together. And it's so amazing when they coalesce and like point you in the right direction. So that's beautiful. I love it. Yes. That's so exciting. So tell us more. I want to learn. Tell me more about this intuitive eating because the phrase sounds brilliant and you get a sense of it, but I want to learn more about the details about it. Share more of the details. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, to give a little bit of history around it, you know, uh-huh. it was created by these two dietitians in the US in the 90s. And it was, it came from the fact that these two dietitians separately, they didn't know each other beforehand. They were, you know, helping people lose weight because that is usually the solution. And I put that in air quotes, right? Like, oh, you have health problems, lose weight, you know? And so they realized that they were helping their, their patients lose weight with these diet plans. But the problem was that it wasn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. So these patients would often come back. And so when they started looking into the data, when they started looking at research, because intuitive eating is actually based in research, there are studies about it they realized that, oh, diets aren't sustainable. 
oftentimes the studies don't go for longer than six months, a year, maybe two years if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. But it's when people hit the five year mark after a diet plan, after they've had like surgery or whatever, that the weight starts coming back because our bodies are so freaking smart. Our bodies <laughs> have been have evolved so that we don't die, essentially, right? So that's smart of our bodies. Our bodies want to <laughs> yeah. live. I think that that makes good right? sense to me. And of all exactly. the things our bodies should do, living should be one of them. So exactly. that makes good sense to me, Lynn. I, exactly. I like the way you think. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so with dieting, right? Like the whole idea about dieting is that you're restricting yourself. Mm-hmm. with the intention of losing weight. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, our bodies don't know the difference between intentional restriction and starvation, mm-hmm. right? And so when we go on a diet and we're not giving our bodies you know, the calories that it needs to actually function, our bodies go into survival mode and they start slowing down our metabolism. Mm-hmm, which is the last right? thing we want. Yeah, exactly. People who are on diets will often complain about like, oh my God, all I think about is food. Mm-hmm. That's your body telling you that you're hungry. Yes. Right. And that's your body saying, oh, I can't have something like I want it. Yes. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Anytime there's sort of any sort of deprivation, we're going to focus on that thing. If yeah. you're told that you shouldn't think about something or you can't have something. Our bodies just hold so much information, and but we're taught, a lot of us are taught from a very young age not to trust our bodies. Yes, yes. Right? Yes, yes. If you think about it, like babies are born, they recognize hunger. When they're hungry, they cry. Mm-hmm. When they're full, they stop eating. But then somewhere along the way, our parents start telling us what to do. Being in school, like the way the bell rings and, you know, it's, it's lunchtime, like that's when you eat. Right. And then as we get older, we've got magazines and TV shows that tell us, oh, we should be in a thin body because that's what beauty is. Yes. That's where our worth is. And Mm -hmm. so we start hearing all of these things that are outside of us instead of listening to ourselves. And so intuitive eating is listening to yourself. It's going back to your body signals. It's going back to what do I need? What is going to nourish me? What is going to make me happy? What's going to make me full? And it's also recognizing that there are certain things that have been put in our paths along the way to actually prevent us from hearing ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. The food police, the food police that judges us, you know, for eating that piece of cake or, you know, the rebel that's like, oh, you don't tell me what to do. I'm going to show you and then eat it, right? Uh Or like the negotiator who's like, oh, well, if I'm going to have that piece of cake, I'm going to go for a run tomorrow. Instead of actually allowing ourselves to actually be able to appreciate and eat the food without the shame and the guilt. That's amazing. My first question that comes to my mind is, so my curiosity is around the additives, the things being added to our food. Do they disrupt some of those signals? Like things like corn syrup and other things, do they disrupt our signals? I mean, mean, that's a curiosity I have. I don't Mm -hmm. know anything about this. Do you know anything Mm -hmm. about that? Yes. I mean, a little bit. I don't really know too much on the topic, but the thing that we need to remember is that yes, like these things that have been added to food, it's made for us to crave more of it. It's made for us to continue eating, right? But the thing that we often don't tap into is how we feel when we eat these things until it's too late, right? When we eat the bag of chips, like I love 
potato chips. I love ketchup potato chips. I'm from Canada. Every time I come back to Germany where I live, I always bring like a few bags with me. And I recognize that there are additives in there to make it extra delicious. But when you slow down your eating process, right? When you actually pay attention to eating. And what I mean by that is being mindful of what you're actually eating. Like, you know, noticing what you're eating, first of all, right? Yes. So just and stuffing things into your mouth and running exactly. from thing to thing. And yes, whatever you can Exactly. Grab. Exactly. And actually being present with the food and actually appreciating it. You'll notice for me anyway, like the first bite of that potato chip. Oh my God, Shauna. <laughs> it's so good. The way it just sits on my tongue, like the acid just kind of lightly nipping at my tongue and the flavor, there's like sweet and salty in there. And like, I just freaking love it. But then I noticed maybe halfway in the bag, it doesn't taste as good anymore. It doesn't have that same flavor anymore. Yeah. So then that's when I'm like, okay, I've satisfied my craving. I'm going to actually put the rest of this away and I'm going to save it for later or for another day so that I can revisit that first bite again. Oh, I love it. And by the way, you could be a food critic. That was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. That was lovely. I really did enjoy that. I did enjoy that. Thank you. Yeah. But also another thing too, that we don't really stop to realize until it's too late is that, are we getting full from this food? Right? Like there are so many things that stop us from feeling our fullness. I have a tendency to want to clean my plate, for example. So I make a conscious effort now, like, am I full before I finish this plate? Like, am I already full? Because if I am, maybe I should stop. Yes. Right. So it's the same thing with a bag of chips. I stop myself frequently and I say, okay, I've had half a bag of chips. It's not as satisfying anymore. How am I feeling in regards to my fullness? And oftentimes I'll kind of feel bloated. And I know Mm -hmm. that if I finish the bag of chips, I would be more bloated. And I actually choose not to go for that additional discomfort. So in regards to your question about these additives, yes, they are there to make us continue eating because obviously if we continue eating, we spend more money and we buy this thing. But at the same time, it also increases the chances of having this shame and guilt around actually finishing the whole bag. Mm -hmm. But if you tap into these feelings, okay, like, why am I feeling the shame? Why am I feeling this guilt? Am I actually enjoying this? Is this actually satisfying for me? Is this actually filling me up? These are things that it's information that our bodies are giving us that we choose not to acknowledge, or we are not aware of them. Yes, absolutely. No, I love that. That am I enjoying this? Is this actually satisfying? I think are questions that I know I don't ask myself. And it is great to know that we have this way to build in against that. That instead of like checking labels and seeing if it has this or that or the other thing, to actually just see how am I responding to it? How does my body feel when I eat this? And how mm. can I pay attention to that and make choices accordingly? I love it. Yeah. And also taking the time to like actually be with the food, right? Like nowadays, like we're so busy, we're working while we're eating, we're scrolling on our phones, we're checking our emails, you know, we're like trying to feed the kids. Like so many things are distracting us from the actual eating experience. And so when we actually focus on that or like even, you know, be even slightly aware it changes the way we approach food as well, right? And it changes the way that we're actually eating the food. You might realize that actually you don't like the taste of something if you actually pay attention to it, right? Yes. Like 
you know? So it's just this awareness. Yeah, no, it's a funny little thing that I actually do. And the joke is that I can be a, a snob about chocolates, but it's a matter of if I'm going to have chocolate, I'm going to have really good chocolate. Yes. Like I'm not going to waste. And it is like, I do add the calorie thing to it, which I should get rid of that. But it is a matter of me saying like, if I'm going to have something that I, you know, is a, a sweet treat, I'm going to spend my time having like the best dark chocolate salted caramel, or I'm going to have like this really great truffle, or I'm going to have this really good chocolate. I'm going to have it, which makes it easier to say no to the stuff that's the Halloween candy, which I haven't been doing lately because I had access to Halloween candy because I visited families (laughs) that had trick-or-treating and I had candy back then. But it makes it easier if I tell myself like, oh no, I have the really good chocolate at home Mm. to not have the other chocolates because I know how happy I am when I get to have the really amazing good stuff. So Mm. not, yeah, that makes me very happy. (laughs) Good chocolate, (laughs) good chocolates, good stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, and that's the thing too, like when you realize, when you slow down the process, you do recognize oh, actually like having a Hershey kiss is not the same as having this delicious lint truffle, right? Yes, lint you know? truffle. You're on the same page. You're on the same page, Those are the ones. Those are the ones. Just saying. Just saying. These are these amaretto ones you could buy anyways. Anyways. Yeah. Oh, so good. I can't get those in the stores. I need to go to the outlets they have back east. Or when I was in Boston, there was a Lent store downtown. Oh. Truffles from Lent. Those are just amazing. But they have the dark chocolate ones I can get in the big bags from Mm. Costco that are the dark chocolate Lent ones. And those would be very happy too. So, <laughs> I like I like my lint chocolates. I like my very specific on those things, but it does help. Like when you have like the things you know are going to satisfy the craving, it makes it easier to not say yes to the things that just aren't quite what you want. But it is okay mm-hmm. to have that. Right now, watermelon sour patch kids are what all the rages mm. are. What I know loves those the kids and, and adults alike. So if you want that sour sweet, that's the trick. <laughs> It's okay to have this. All right, we're having this conversation about intuitive eating, and I'm cooking all the good things that can satisfy your cravings. We have ketchup potato chips. We have. Yes. Yes. All the good things to satisfy them. So it's important yeah. to do that, and your body will start telling you when it needs the things. And it's important to listen to your body and actually, because I do crave vegetables sometimes, and then I don't have them. I should listen to my body. (laughs) That's the thing, right? Like, you know, when I tell my clients, like you can eat what you want, whatever you want. Like if we take away the moral value of food, Mm -hmm. food is just food. Our bodies will actually start telling us, okay, I want chocolate today or I want vegetables today, right? The moral value that we often assign food, something like this is healthy, this is unhealthy, this is bad for you, this is good for you, this is a guilty pleasure, this is a treat. This just increases the chances of feeling guilty and shameful for your choices. So when you take away the moral value of food and you recognize that it's all equal and give yourself that permission to eat whatever it is that you want, and then paying attention to how your body reacts to it, right? Like my sister, for example, she's lactose intolerant, Mm -hmm. loves a good tiramisu. Mm And so she makes that choice for herself. Like, do I want to suffer the consequences of this later just so that I can have this tiramisu? And often the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a choice that she makes for herself, right? Like she recognizes what the effects are on her body, but 
It's that choice. She wants to enjoy this. And so she's going to suffer the consequences later. It's when you do things by default and automatically where we kind of get into some trouble because then it doesn't become intentional anymore. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think even with kids, so I have a career working in Head Start, which in the States, that's a program that works with three to five-year-olds and zero to three-year-olds in some mm-hmm. capacity. But we have family-style dining is how they recommend to do the lunches with the meals with the kids. And the kids actually, like, they serve what they feel like eating is what they serve themselves instead of actually being given like here is the set serving that you're supposed to eat. Like when you go to the cafeteria when you're older and they just give you this scoop of food and that's what you're supposed to eat. But instead, the kids are choosing what they want and how much they're getting. And it was neat for me to learn about that as a side thing for the work I was doing because my specialty was mental health. I just worked Mm -hmm. in an environment where I got to learn about this and the importance of kids doing that because it allowed them to choose how much they wanted to eat and what they were eating. And it was a good educational opportunity to talk about like, does your body also want green beans right now? And do you want some protein and some other things and talk about the different kinds of food because a learning opportunity for kids. But that's also part of, instead of saying you have to clean your plate of whatever I gave you, Mm -hmm. for it to be an opportunity for kids to sample different things and for Mm -hmm. that to be them choosing how much food they got and kind of that that piece. But having that second conversation of like, how is this affecting you? I did with one of my friends when I was back East around Halloween, there was a kid that was bouncing off the wall. And I mentioned like, I did notice you had a lot of sugar and didn't eat much of your dinner. I wonder if that's why you have so much energy right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It would be interesting too, if this child like has parents who restricts him from having sugar, right? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes if you're in a situation of lack where you don't have access to things, right? When you do have access to it, you tend to go overboard because it's oh, like, I don't know when I'm going to get this next. So I'm going to like hoard, or I'm going to like eat as much as, as I can, because I don't know when the next time is, or the next yes. time will be when I can have this. So it would be interesting to note that. And going back to your, your, the Head Start program, right? Like it's also teaching kids that they have autonomy over their bodies. A mm-hmm. lot of the time, if we're taken in by diet culture, we're allowing an external thing to tell us what to do, when to eat. And we lose that ability to make that choice for ourselves, right? And so intuitive eating allows you to come back to yourself and it allows you to recognize that you have control over your body. Yes. Well, even with kids, like having that conversation, because it's a little more complicated because a lot of kids might eat because they're bored or for this or that, the other thing, but to be able to have that conversation with them around... So you're telling me that you're hungry. Is your body hungry? Is your body, is your belly feeling hungry right now? Or is you looking for something to do? And can we give you something to do? Like for adults, it's a longer conversation than like, no, we're done with sugar for today. (laughs) You know what I mean? Or to be able to have the conversation of, you have a lot of energy. I wonder if that energy is related to that. So sometimes it's good to have energy and that's why we have mm-hmm. something like that. But sometimes we have too much energy and it can make it hard to play with our friends because we have too much energy. <laughs> so having this yeah. in that way of thinking and having those conversations is a hard way to shift it because I wasn't raised with talking about food like that. I don't think anybody... I'm. Definitely send me a note if you were. That's awesome. Praise your parents. But (laughs) a lot of people aren't raised that way. They don't talk about it like that when we're in school and other places about like, you know, your body is 
tired. I think you could use some fuel. Why don't you, is there, yeah. do you want a banana? Do you want, what's something because you could fuel? Do you want a cheese snack? Is that something because you could fuel? Like trying to figure out like what good fuel for your body is and how that makes your body feel after you have that and having those conversations mm. when you're eating dinner, like how is this making your body feel? Like those aren't conversations mm. that, that we think to have and we don't have them with ourselves alone with our kids. <laughs> so. Yeah. And the thing like, you know, when a child is feeling tired or when an adult is feeling tired, right? What would actually make you feel better in this instance? Is it Mm -hmm. sleep? Because if you're not getting enough sleep, that will mess up your ability to recognize your body signals, right? You're going to want to reach for that food to stay awake. Like when Mm -hmm. I was working in the office, I was eating so much because I was like, oh my God, like I need to, I, I need to stay awake. This, this webinar is like super boring. So I just need like something crunchy, you know? And so recognizing like, what are the emotions that are coming up for me right now? Right? Like uh-huh. a lot of us will self-soothe. A lot of us will reach for food when we feel difficult emotions. And so part of intuitive eating is also recognizing, okay, if I'm not biologically hungry right now, What's coming up for me that I want food? What am I feeling? Is it fatigue? Is it, am I procrastinating? Am I bored? Is there something else that I can do that will help me feel less bored, less fearful, less procrastinating? That's a word. Um, that is a word. That is totally a word. I use it all the time. I can't believe you knew that, Lynn. Well, I feel like it's for me when I can't get organized and I do something like I go get something to eat. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like when I feel like overwhelmed, like that's my way, obviously regulating somehow is putting food in my mouth and I don't know how that helps anything, but, <laughs> but that's definitely, it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem because then 10 minutes later, I'm looking for something else to put in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I used to do the same thing. Like I used to have a desk full of food because I was mm-hmm. always like munching, right? I was always doing mm-hmm. something and recognizing that, oh, this is a substitute for something. And it's okay if you want to reach for food to deal with your feelings. Absolutely. But make it an intentional. An awareness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Instead of like automatically reaching for it. And then if you're going to eat the food, enjoy it. You may as well enjoy it. Yes. Or see if it even does it. I think the next time after our conversation now, the next time (laughs) I'm trying to get myself organized, I'm going to stop and eat the thing and say like, is this making me feel more organized? Is this helping me focus better? Let me see. Instead of just like having it be a one-off because maybe it does help, but I'm so busy shoving it in my mouth and moving on to being disorganized. I'm not actually giving it the chance to do that. So maybe it could do that for me. I don't know. I've never stopped to think about it. I'm too busy just shoving something in my mouth and moving on to being stressed again, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like in this instance, in this instance, like if you're feeling stressed, like what would be helpful for you? Yes. Yes. Does that actually help? Because it doesn't seem to, because I just get more food later. So we'll see. (laughs) We'll actually give it a chance and and, and be mindful about it. Mindful. Mindful. So try it. We'll try it. We'll be crazy and try that. I love it. This is so helpful. such a valuable conversation. And I love it because I think as people are starting the new year and trying to like set patterns for themselves and they're saying, oh, I got to set this goal of losing this or doing this instead of, mm. no, let's set a pattern of why don't I be mindful about what I'm doing with my eating and be intuitive about my eating and mm. set new habits related to that. And that can be what I'm resolving to do this year instead of doing something else that's going to be the same routine. Because I think 
I know I've seen the research. I hope more people have seen the research that diets don't work and you actually put on more weight at the end than you lost. And that's where we get yeah. to where we're going in life is you keep putting on more weight after you lose it. You do lose it. Like you can stick to it and restrict and lose it. And then when you stop losing it, you come back and put on more than you lost in the first place. And so it's yeah. like it's getting us to a detrimental place in the end instead of changing habits that are like the mindfulness piece that overall kind of help us to get to a better place in the long run, which is what we want. And that's yeah. what we want to be thinking about next year at the end of 2023, reflecting back to say, oh, I listened to that and look at the difference it made. Or <laughs> I started working with Lynn and look at the difference it made. You have, you have, you actually work with people one-on-one -on -one to actually have these conversations more frequently to help them stick to this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the times when I first start with my clients, we recognize like how detrimental diet culture has been for them, right? Like I've often talked to people, to women especially, who like have started diets as young as six, mm. you know, 11. And it's just like, how, how? And so like it's decades of this diet mentality, right? Focusing on losing weight rather than, as you said, implementing these healthy behaviors, yeah. focusing on what makes you feel good. Like that's actually going to be more sustainable than these diets. The statistic for the failure rate of diets is actually 95%. Wow. Wow. 95%. Wow. Staggering. Yeah. And the number one predictor of weight gain mm -hmm. is whether you've been on a diet. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That is incredible to know. Yeah. That's yeah. Huge. It gives me goosebumps because I'm just like, how? This is a multi-billion dollar industry that has been set up to feed off of our insecurities, right? Mm -hmm. And when we are successful, and I put that in air quotes, you know, like, and when we're successful in the diets, when we can take the weight off, we attribute it to the diet. Mm -hmm. But then when the diets don't work, who do we attribute it to? Not them. That's <laughs> yes, we take on those feelings ourselves, and and well, and everyone else puts it on us. If I hear like one more, yeah, doctors. I say it quietly, but doctors mm -hmm. talking about you need to lose weight and mm -hmm. that acting like it's a a personal feeling that you haven't lost the weight or that you're the problem. Like it's not that simple. So yeah, and that whole mentality is based on fat phobia right? Mm -hmm. It's like the idea that if you're fat, you're unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And by extension, if you're thin, you're healthy. And we know that that is not true, right? Yes, like it's you so can much be, more complicated than that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But we're perpetuating this idea that we need to be in a thin body in order to be healthy, be able to, you know, be worthy to be loved and be beautiful and all of these things. And it's just... Absolutely. Yes. 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 And the the health outcomes there's like this connection. It's like the mm -hmm. causality or the correlation. That stuff is mm. not very clear to me at least. And I know that there's like this correlation, but how much of that is related to other factors and how much of that is tethered out when they're making these decisions. And yes, it makes some things easier, but it's not that's not the key. Diets are not the key to resolving these things. Mm -hmm. This is so valuable. I love it. I love it. And so <laughs> we um we're getting to the end of our time, which is hard to believe. I know. <laughs> I know this has been so great. I want to just keep talking to you. <laughs> so as part of it, when we wind down, we start talking about we are going to get to how you can get in touch with Lynn and learn more about that. But let's start with what you do for self-care. What do you do for self-care, Lynn? 
Oh, I am. I love self-care. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can write your self-care spotlight. Come into the spotlight. What do you do for self-care, Lynn? <laughs> so I like having little rituals. Every morning I wake up and I thank the universe and I express my gratitude to the universe by bringing whatever is happening in my life into my life, even the bad bits, mm-hmm. recognizing that there is a reason for everything and that you know I can learn from these tough times, but mm-hmm. also being very excited about the good times too. And then I mm-hmm. give myself a hug and mm-hmm. then I tell myself I love me. <laughs> and then I awesome. drink this thing of water because girl needs to be hydrated after a long night's sleep. So this is how I set my mornings. Like this is how I like start my mornings because it's like that little nugget of alone time just for me before I like start the craziness of checking my phone, checking my email, like doing all the other stuff. So that's like the morning ritual that I have. I work out regularly. Like moving my body is so important to me. Like I love getting my sweat on. So I'll like do like hit class, boxing, strength training, yoga, like anything to just get my body moving, get the body flowing. I go to therapy every three weeks. Nice. You know, even when I am not going through any sort of crisis, like I still go because it's just a way of maintaining my mental health. And like, you never know, like things will come up in everyday life that I'll need to unpack with my therapist that I didn't even know that I needed to unpack. So rather than going when I'm at this like super heightened emotional state, like I just go on the regular just to make sure that everything is cool. That is awesome. I have to ask about this. So so you, sorry. So you live in Germany. And so is that, is that part of like that? culture there or part of like the insurance you have? Because this is amazing no. that you go like on a regular basis. This is something you prioritize. I love it. This is something that I prioritize myself. Um, yeah, for sure. Like I started this like after I had like that nervous breakdown yeah. and I just haven't stopped. So I've been going to my therapist for, I think over three years now. That is awesome. Actually almost four. Yeah. I, I love her. It's so great. It's like <laughs> my ultimate form of self-care. Oh, and I get my nails done. When I get my nails done, like I go and like take myself out on a date afterwards. Oh, you know, nice. Dinner or a lunch by myself and I read a book or whatever it is that I need that day. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll connect with a friend. Sleeping for at least seven hours, super important, right? To make sure yeah. that my brain is working like optimally. And yeah, like I have all sorts of self-care. So I can talk about this forever. forever. <laughs> I, know that I, love time I love it. I love it. I love it. No, the nails is great. My my sister, she does that regularly and it is definitely her thing that she does for herself, which is great that she has that thing that she does for herself with getting her nails done. So, and I have another friend that does it frequently. I don't know if she does it as regularly as my sister does, but my sister makes it a priority. So that's, yeah. it's important to have those things that you do for you and you recognize this is my thing and I prioritize this for me. You have to have those things. So absolutely, those are a priority. I like it. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yes. And so as we're winding down then, so we have what we call our grit wit, which is <laughs> something we can take away and apply immediately, which I have lots of thoughts about the things you've shared that we could apply immediately. <laughs> but before we do that, is there anything we didn't touch on that you want to make sure that we bring in other than how to connect with you? Is there anything about our topic we didn't get to kind of finalize? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I could have talked to you forever. So <laughs> I agree. I agree. I agree. So I just didn't want you to feel cut off because we shifted quickly into the yeah. So I would like to share that the thing that is underlying all of intuitive eating, mm-hmm. apart from self-care, 
Mm-hmm. Is also nice. self-compassion. Ooh, nice. Self-compassion, right? And so a big difference between dieting and intuitive eating is that intuitive eating has self-compassion. There are no rules. You know, we have these principles. There are 10 principles and they're there to just gently guide you, right? Nice. And, and there is no right or wrong. It's not a linear journey you know, it's a journey, right? And so when those times come up, when you feel like you're, you've done something wrong or or whatever it is, speak to yourself, like you would to your friend, to your partner, to your child, to your favorite pet, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of us tend to have this tendency to immediately go to the negative self-talk, right? We would never say the things that we say to ourselves, to other people. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And like, we deserve that self-care. We deserve to be treated nicely. We deserve to have these loving words spoken to us. Yeah. So I would say that the takeaway is to just be aware of the times when you talk to yourself, is it positive? Is it negative? Is it neutral? You know, what can we do to like bring more of that compassion into our lives? Ooh, I love it. So our grit wit, is it somebody needs to, if you're listening right now that you're going to start listening to what you're saying to yourself and having that self-compassion. So not even starting with food necessarily, or we're going to start with food. It can be anything. I feel like the negative, the negative self-talk is it's rampant. For it's a rampant. Lot of us. We can yeah. start with that because that's the importance of that awareness is the first step of even getting to be able to hear it when it comes to food, to be able to be yeah. aware of what we're saying to ourselves negatively, that we need to have more compassion with ourselves and be able to adjust those conversations and what we're saying to ourselves to be able to, yeah. to say the things that we would want our best friend to say, our good friend to say, what Shauna would say to you from the grit yes. show, <laughs> the things that we would say about how yes. amazing you are and how unique you are and the great things that you're offering and the different lens that you need to be using around that. And then you could start applying it to food, but start right now in this minute with listening mm. to what you're saying to yourself and how you can reframe it. I love that. Yeah. I yeah. think that's beautiful. That is beautiful. Mm. And I love that. So let's get to how people can connect with you. And you have a lead magnet. For those of you that don't know what a lead magnet is, it's basically a great way that you can get to know Lynn a little bit better, get a free item from her to get to know her and get kind of on her radar to be connected with her and get in her circle a little bit. So Mm -hmm. she has one that she's going to be offering to us. And we're going to put it into the show notes so you guys can just click on it and get access to it. So tell us about this. It's kind of like a body scan and audio thing that people can get and listen to, right? So tell us about this, Lynn. I want to hear more about it. Yeah. So it's a 10 minute body scan. Um, So it's a little audio clip of me just taking you through paying attention to what your body feels in that moment. Mm -hmm. It's a way to get yourself in touch with your body. It's a way to get yourself present. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're often thinking about the things that we have to get done or the things that we should have done, but we don't focus on the present. And so this body scan is for people who just want to take a little bit of time for themselves. It's a little bit of self-care and it's also a way to reconnect with your body again, right? Like how often do we actually sit down and just say, how am I feeling? What is my body feeling right now? Where is their tension? This body scan is good for for people who just want to take a moment and reconnect and just have some time for themselves. 
I love it. I think that is so perfect. So that'll be a great way for you guys to get to hear a little more from Lynn and get connected to Lynn. And that will be in the show notes. So you guys can follow the link to get access to that and um and get access to Lynn. That is perfect. And then also, is there is it great to follow you on social media? What's a great way to be connected to you? Yeah. So I'm most present on Instagram. So I'm at bona.fide.life. So that'll be in the show notes as well. Yeah. And I give like tidbits on intuitive eating and how you can bring some more joy into your life. And yeah, and I'll be making some announcements soon. Like I want to start some group coaching um, next year because I feel like there's so much power in sharing our yes. experiences. Yeah. You know, oftentimes we're, we feel so alone on this journey of life and on like dieting and our bodies. And so to have this space where we can just be with each other and share and just recognize that, oh my gosh, other people have the same experience. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Connect, connect. Just so that is so valuable. So I love that. So we'll definitely make sure that we um, keep that post in the show notes as those things come available mm-hmm. too. You can give us that information as well, but DMing you on Instagram is a-okay if folks want to connect Absolutely. with you more. Absolutely. Perfect. That is great. Thank you so much, Lynn. This has been so valuable. Thank you so much. And thank you to the listeners who have stuck around and stayed for the whole conversation. <laughs> yes. Through our laughing and all the goodness we had to offer. Yes. I love it. Yes. I, I love it. I love thank it. You. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shana. If you did enjoy this episode, Please take the time to share it with a friend. If you go to thegritshow.com and select listen to our latest episodes, you'll find links to all of our episodes. And after selecting an episode, it's easy to find the specific link to share that one episode. Follow us on Instagram at the.grit.show. We'd love to connect with you on there. Send us a DM. It's the easiest way to reach me. And no matter how your day or week has gone, just remember, you are the only one of you only unique individual with your perspective, talents, and skills to offer that this world has got. And that means something. I'll be here next week, and I look forward to connecting with you then.